Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. How are you? I sure hope you are doing terrific. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you would like to be on the program, I am delighted to have you. I'm going to go off. Can you even say go off the reservation anymore? <laughs> I'm going to go off the beaten path here for a moment. But there, there are... Two completely different stories, and I want to just weave them together into a larger point. I am a professional. Occasionally this works, so just bear with me here. I grew up, yes, in Dubai, Charlie. So when I was growing up uh, in the Middle East, we were the only family in our school that did not have a computer. My, my mom had an electric typewriter with a little screen on it, and that was the closest we came to having a computer. And I always, I wanted a computer. Uh, one of my friends, James, had a cutting-edge, top-of-the-line Mac, and it was the original Macintosh. He eventually, his parents upgraded him to a SE30. I had no concept of money as a 7th and 8th grader and didn't realize, I mean, these things are thousands of dollars at the time. I mean, like you're talking eight, $9,000 at the time, which was a lot of money, even more money then than it is now. And I wanted a computer. And, and instead, uh, I ran the computer lab. So the, the school I went to, it would blow your mind if you saw it. I mean, this is the 1980s. And it had this incredible computer lab. I started on a computer when I was in first grade in 1981, uh, an Apple II. And by the 7th, 8th, ninth grade, we had a fully loaded computer lab with uh, Apple IIe's and 2GS's, and we were starting to get in Macintoshes, and, and those were kind of my computers. The, the, the head of the computer lab, Mr. Ackerman, was also my advisor, and he let me run them. And I subscribed when I moved back to the States after ninth grade, got back and started subscribing to Mac User and Macworld magazines because I one day wanted a Mac. And I'll never forget, uh, had the goal, I, I still get embarrassed just thinking about this, wanted my parents to buy me this uh, Mac 2CI. It was a, an old Macintosh, and that thing fully loaded. It was like $15,000. I had no idea when I was a kid. But my parents, we moved back to rural Louisiana, and my parents bought me a PC. It was a custom-built PC, and to this day, I still would prefer a custom-built PC to just going to like a, a big box. Or it's why I, I like Vision computers, by the way, because um, you can work with them, and they will build you the computer you need, uh, and they will future-proof it for you as opposed to going to a big box store and just buying off the shelf, and you get this garbage computer with no tech support. Go to Vision, and they'll build you what you need, and they'll future-proof it, and they'll be your tech support. And I love that idea, and that's what my parents did. There was a place in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, PC Warehouse, and, and they bought me a bleeding edge, 33 megahertz, 256K RAM, uh, giant uh, computer. And after a while, it had a short in it, and you would whack it, and then it would turn on. But it worked. It ran um, MS-DOS. I eventually got a bootleg copy of Windows 3.1 for it. And you'd buy it. And, but I still kept my subscriptions to Macworld and, and Mac user because I, I one day I was going to get Mac. When I finally got to college, I finally, um, they had started making Macs you could buy at Sears and Roebuck. And my, my mom got me a Performa. 
and I've had a Mac ever since. I, I am actually now an, an Apple guy. I still do tech support for my PC friends and family and all that, um, but I just now I've been pushing all of them to go with Vision Computer because I'm myself an Apple guy. Now my son's got this gaming PC, and, and I had to rely on Vision for it because I was like, I don't want to be your tech support for a for a PC. I just I get Macs. Well, I bring all of this up. This isn't just a a, a walk down memory uh, lane for you all. I bring it up because of a particular point. Mac Life Magazine is used to be Mac User Magazine, and it is going away. As is Maximum PC. Maximum PC. Um, I guess actually no Mac life was Mac addict. I subscribed to that one too. And it had a, it would come with a DVD with software on it. Uh, and the, the, the PC version of Mac addict was boot and it became maximum PC and they are going away. Now you do not care about this. I realize I'm talking about a subject that, uh, maybe, uh, half a percent of you care about, but there is a point all of you should care about. After this month, for the first time since 1976, there will not be a single magazine published in the United States for consumers about computers. This is the end of the computer magazine era this month. There will be none left in America. There used to be a massive pile of magazines devoted to computers. You could go into a Barnes & Noble or a Books A Million or a Borders or wherever, and you could find a wall, and it had uh, lots of PC magazines, and maybe two or three. There's Mac World, Mac Addict, um, and uh, Mac User, and those were the Mac ones. And then you'd have a bunch, uh, Maximum PC and and others, Computer World Magazine, and others for the PC. This is it. After this month, there will be no more. End of the run. Separate story. Netflix is ending its DVD business. That business is going away. My mother, I think, still subscribes. Uh, is still a Netflix DVD user, and and she'll be out of luck now. She'll have to she'll have to stream. Um, I guess that's another need for me to fly over and visit and, and make sure they're, they got everything set up so that they can stream Netflix because uh, the, the model is going away. They're, they're getting rid of the, the DVD model for Netflix. The, that's how Netflix became a business. Netflix started uh, the, after the, the end of the uh, blockbuster era. Netflix really helped put them out of business and, and the rise of streaming, and Netflix moved into streaming. And, and by the way, Netflix, remember it was going to call it streaming business Quickster, was it going to be Netflix, which had a, a known brand and commodity that, that people recognize? They're going to change the name to Quickster. It's, it's like HBO Max dropping the HBO, and now it's just the Max streaming service. A terrible idea. Quickster was a terrible idea, quickly abandoned by Netflix, and they remain Netflix. You, you have this entire era, and ironically, the era of the PC magazine and the era of the male DVD are both going away because of the Internet which is fundamentally transforming our lives. And now if I can swing them together, there's a lesson here for all of us on technology in general. It is in some ways ever-changing, but in other ways always the same.
the ability to get a movie delivered to your house at your convenience is still there. It's just now over the Internet. It's not through the mail. The Postal Service, of course, struggles now because so many people uh, don't send letters anymore. They send emails. If you'll recall, back in the 90s, there was a legitimate effort in Congress to consider requiring you a charge every time you send an email as a way to subsidize the U.S. Postal Service. Thankfully, that idea died. A lot of businesses fail to adapt. And not to go full circle with other monologues here, but it's, it's one of my concerns on AM radio. Listen, I, I have a job because of AM radio. I love AM radio. When I was a kid, I had a Magnavox long-wave, short-wave radio and would sit in my house late at night, and I could listen to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation and the BBC and the Voice of America. I could listen to the the spies sending their Morse code. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's actually a real thing. You can get a shortwave radio or a longwave radio and tune to certain frequencies, and it's rapid fire Morse code. And, and you're like, what? what the heck is this? And it, it's spy channels. The Cubans use this to this day, this primitive technology. The Cubans will transmit code on certain frequencies to spies in the United States, and everybody knows you go, just go tune to the right frequency, and you might be able to hear the Morse code. And somewhere in the United States, there's a spy writing out the Morse code for their instructions. It's a real thing that actually really does happen. I loved radios as a kid growing up. But the technology does evolve over time. And we must decide in some capacity how to deal with that. Now, there's one way to deal with it, particularly when it comes to, well, for example, radio, but even some of these other ways, and that's nostalgia. You know the, um, oh, it's the it's the Mad Men. I, I, I did not watch Mad Men. I found it a deeply pretentious show. But there was the, the story of the carousel. Um, you know what? Maybe I can find this. Um, audio, um, find this video. It's It was a very, very famous episode, and it was this monologue of the, of the carousel. They were selling the carousel uh, for Kodak. It was the, the audio, uh, and they were trying to explain their sales pitch for, you know, the slideshows back in the 60s. People didn't have iPhones and stuff. They, they had these, um, they would get slides developed and you'd invite your friends over and show them the slides of your of your trip. Joe Harriman, he is a glittering lure. But uh, there's the rare occasion when the public can be engaged on a level beyond flash if they have a sentimental bond with the product. My first job, I was in-house at a fur company with this old pro copywriter, Greek, named Teddy. And Teddy told me the most important idea in advertising is new. Creates an itch. You simply put your product in there as a kind of calamine lotion. We also talked about a deeper bond with the product. Nostalgia. It's delicate, but potent. Another closing the lights and firing up the Kodak carousel. Teddy told me that in Greek, 
Nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. It's a twinge in your heart, far more powerful than memory alone. This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. backwards and forwards it takes us to a place where we ache to go again so there's something to be said I'll, I'll stop that there that that was the clip from Mad Men on on tapping into nostalgia and there is something there you see a lot of the successful radio companies in America what they're doing is is they've gone back to real local hosts making it very local uh, local voices, personalities you can reach out to and touch, uh, people you can interact with. Uh, there, there's a relationship there, and a lot of younger people are moving back into that uh, because it's what their parents did, and they want a taste of what their parents' life was as they perceive their life may not be as good as their parents'. And there's a way, I think, of for technology across the board to be able to be deployed to tap into that nostalgia if done right. The kid is not going to go back to the transceiver radio. They're probably going to go to the app, but they want the same experience. It's why Apple, for example, now has Apple Music. And I don't know how many people listen to their radio product, but they have an actual radio DJ. You can pull up your iPhone and go to Apple Music or whatever. You can get the, the radio station where they have an actual DJ who actually talks to you and interviews people. It's old school in new formats, and, and that's the key, I think, to success for a lot of businesses is you're not really changing everything. You're just reimagining the past and packaging it for the future if it can be done. And so I don't think that computer magazines will really go away. You just won't be able to get them on the bookshelf anymore. You'll have to get them online. You won't be able to get the Netflix DVD anymore, but you'll be able to get it online. But then that translates into a whole different problem as well, ownership. If you can't own it, if you can't possess it, if you can't hold it in your hand, do you actually own this thing anymore? And I would submit to you, this is probably going to be one of the big issues policy-wise in the United States over the next five years or so as companies give you things and then pull them back. Uh, highlighted best by Apple putting the YouTube album on people's phones when nobody wanted it and then having to apologize for it, uh, your ability to own. And this takes a broader issue and expands it to the middle class of, are we still an ownership society when the private equity companies are buying all the houses and they force you to rent instead of own? When the car companies are selling you a car for cheap, but then you got to rent the buttons on and pay the subscriptions for the buttons in the car? Are you really an owner anymore? And I would suspect that the companies that allow you ownership and allow you the connection are the ones that are actually going to stand out in the next 10 to 15 years as you build a meaningful relationship with products, services, and companies and people who you can actually connect with, who are real things and not just ephemeral subscriptions that go away. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. You can call in 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. We need to move along. I've got other stuff besides nostalgia to talk about here. Do you have good credit? Do you have good credit? Uh, according to the Washington Times... The Biden administration has decided to tax you if you have good credit. 
It's actually a fee as part of the Federal Housing Finance Authority's push for affordable housing. If you have good credit, a fee will be tacked on to any mortgage or refinance you get to subsidize people with riskier credit scores in order for them to buy houses. Mortgage industry specialists say home buyers with credit scores of 680 or higher will pay about 40 more dollars a month on a home loan of $400,000. Home buyers who make down payments of 15% to 20% will get socked with the largest fees by the Biden administration. The new fees will only apply to home buying after May 1st. Lenders and real estate agents say the changes are going to frustrate home buyers with high credit scores and homeowners seeking to refinance because they punish them for having good credit, which it obviously does. Uh, it's done so that the Federal Housing Finance Agency can subsidize people who are poor with bad credit getting into houses. Um, this is their backdoor way of doing something that was rejected last year to subsidize. This is nuts. Um, so here's the thing. The Biden administration is largely propped up by high-income white people who have good credit. That's just the truth. I mean, Joe Biden uh, won because he persuaded high-income college-educated white people to go his way. And now he's going to punish them for having good credit scores to subsidize the homes of people who will eventually get us into another housing crisis. This is insanity and good. Uh, these people, I mean, I hate it because I got great credit, but I'm not buying a house anytime soon, and these people will now pay a price for having voted for Joe Biden. So will everyone else, unfortunately. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, programming note again, I'm not going to, I'll be here Friday, but I won't be here tomorrow. Cause I have been, it, it's kind of a prestigious honor. Uh, I've been asked to address, uh, students at the university of Louisville in the notice. I said Louisville, Louisville, not, not Louisville or Louisville. It's Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I've been asked to address the students at, at the uh, McConnell center and meet the faculty and so I will be there. I've never been to Kentucky. Y'all know I, I've still been to more countries than states just by virtue of how I grew up. I, I got states I want to visit. Uh, and Kentucky has been one of them, although I really want to go with golf clubs and take a bourbon tour of Kentucky. Um, but I need to go there. Hadn't been to, never been to Indiana, uh, been to Ohio. I need to get to my affiliate, WHIO. And, uh, and this is a great thing about uh, growing the show as, as I get new affiliates going and visiting them. Um, but I, I got places I want to go visit. Never been to Nebraska either. Need to go to Nebraska uh, or Wyoming. I, I mean, we all need to go to Wyoming and see the, the see Old Faithful. But nonetheless, I digress. Uh, this may, this may come as a shock to you. I don't want to shock your system. You you probably have heard the Republican Party is dying or dead. So this may shock you to learn that actually at the state level, Republicans are picking up some supermajorities. In Kentucky, Kansas, Louisiana, and North Carolina, Republicans have supermajorities in the legislatures and have seen some Democrats flip. In North Carolina, a Democratic legislator flipped. Now, what's so notable about this in Kentucky, Kansas, Louisiana, North Carolina, they got Democratic governors. 
which is causing the Democratic governors to lose all sorts of power. This is from Liz Crampton in Politico. More than half of all state legislators have legislatures have become so lopsided that House speakers and Senate presidents can neutralize veto pins, and it's shifting the center of policymaking. So while President Joe Biden and Republicans in Congress sink each other's agendas in Washington, the rest of America is living in an era of supermajorities, and the GOP controls more than twice as many as Democrats. Republican lawmakers in Kansas and Kentucky have bypassed governors and used their power to enact new restrictions on transgender athletes and gender-affirming care. Love how the media uses gender-affirming care instead of genital mutilations. In North Carolina, they rejected Democratic Governor Roy Cooper's veto on a bill this month repealing a pistol permit requirement, the first override in five years. Then in Tennessee, Republicans flexed their power against fellow legislators and expelled two Democratic members for participating in gun violence protests on the state house floor. Notice again, they take the Democrats' framing of this as opposed to they shut down the house with a bullhorn and wouldn't leave. Conservatives are triumphant about the recent legislative victories they see as shoring up support among their base and solidifying future success in the ballot box. And that's left many Democrats who are facing dwindling numbers in state legislatures throughout the South and parts of the Midwest feeling deflated and helpless. Oh, the rise of these 29 supermajorities, seven of which emerged since the 2022 midterms when Republicans were dead, finished, through, done, deleted. They can be attributed to things, redistricting and polarization. And while anti-transgender laws have been passed in places like Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, and Arkansas, the consequences are challenging for the Democratic governors of Kentucky, Kansas, Louisiana, North Carolina, who joust with the GOP legislature. Vermont's Phil Scott is the only Republican governor with a Democrat supermajority legislature. Cooper of North Carolina, who has highlighted his role in stopping bad culture war legislation, coming from a GOP legislature he's faced since 2017, but now with a Republican supermajority in the House and a working supermajority, or a supermajority in the Senate, a working supermajority in the House, he can't do it anymore. Last month, they bypassed Cooper's veto on a bill that eliminates a requirement for sheriffs to issue a permit before someone buys a handgun. Since the vote, a House Democrat has switched parties and the Republicans have an official supermajority. Now, I look, I, I, there's no reason to read this whole article here just to make this large point. You have been told by the national media the Republicans are doing terribly. You've been told by me that in 2022, if you didn't look, Republicans did very well. If you, didn't, if you did look, it looked like they did poorly. It's it was kind of a, a Schrodinger's election. Republicans actually did very well in the election if you weren't looking at the election. They did poorly if you were looking at the election. So Republicans were expecting blowouts in parts of the country where it didn't come. But in parts of the country where they weren't expecting blowouts, it came. I mean, Republicans did well congressionally in New York and California. Republicans did great in the Arizona legislature. Republicans did really well in North Carolina. They, they did well in Kansas, even though they lost the governor's race. They got super majorities. Republicans are not dead. The Democrats and the media in bed together, 
always feed this narrative that the Republicans are on the verge of death. And actually, if you followed along with me when I was reading part of this article, what you noted is that actually Republicans control more state legislatures than the Democrats. And the Democrats will frame it as redistricting. Well, if they didn't have redistricting, that wouldn't be the case. Actually, even 538, not exactly a conservative site, has gone through and analyzed districts. And yeah, in most states, Republicans would still maintain majorities, even if you redistricted based on the standard the Democrats want of local communities of interest. Why? Because outside of the coasts and major urban enclaves, Americans are still pretty Republican. They're still pretty conservative. And they're still pretty resentful of big government and pretty resentful of this far-left culture war that the Democrats are engaging in. And the Democrats can call us all culture warriors on the right, but we're not the ones seeking to change culture. Now, let me jump back to this uh, article here. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashar, uh, Bashir, another Democratic leader of a red state, is dealing with a similar situation of a now supermajority legislature. Last month, Republicans dismissed his refusal to sign legislation banning transgender children from genital mutilation and dictating what bathroom they can use. Now, they, they said gender-affirming care. I, I use the accurate gender mutilation. The bill puts policy in alignment with the truth that every child is created as male or female and deserves to be loved, treated with dignity, and accepted for who they really are, said David Walls, the executive director of the Family Foundation. Up until this session, uh, the alphabet gang advocates in Kentucky and their allies have been able to defeat similar bills, labeling the measures discriminatory. But that changed as more Republicans rally around the issue. The Senate voted 28 to 3 and the House 76 to 23 to override uh, Bashir's veto, an issue that's expected to become a campaign talking point as the governor runs for re-election. In North Dakota, Republican Governor Doug Burgum has so far vetoed five pieces of legislation passed by the state's supermajority. The measures range from preventing schools from using pronouns consistent with a person's gender identity to prohibiting cities in the state from using ranked choice voting. And the legislature there is continuing to override his vetoes. Now, what does all of this actually mean? Well, first of all, uh, pay no attention to all these silly media narratives about the death of the GOP. Never has been true. It's just been wishful thinking. But there's something more here, too. North Carolina remains a swing state, and yet it's got a Republican supermajority. Georgia is a swing state, but it's got uh, Republicans statewide in charge, other than the U.S. Senate races. And, and had they picked better candidates, the Republicans would have gotten those as well. You've got uh, Kentucky is not going to be a swing state. Kansas isn't. Louisiana probably is not either. But it should show you Republicans not only have a pulse, but also have a bench. And what's more is that these Republican states and state legislatures tend to be more aligned with suburban voters in uh, swing states than the California Democrats do. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but I mean, I'm here in Georgia. Who do you think the suburban voters are aligned with more? The people who want to keep men out of women's sports or the Democrats? In Georgia, in the suburbs, most parents understand that you put a boy on a girl's sports team, that boy has a competitive advantage for the college scholarship 
and the parents want to send their kids to college. They want the girl to have a scholarship. It becomes a big issue. Now, yes, it's true. There are Republican politicians who privately bristle about these issues in their base and and, uh, drip with condescension towards pro-lifers and Christians and social advocates. It's true, but they continue to support the issue because they want power. And they got to support these issues to have the power. They can't completely undermine their voters. You see this in, for example, school choice in some states, like, for example, in Georgia, again, uh, you had Republican members of the state legislature uh, betray the voters and oppose school choice legislation. I suspect they're going to be under an inordinate amount of pressure coming up to support school choice. It becomes a major political issue, and we're headed into a campaign season where it will be on the ballot. My suggestion to leaders in Georgia, Bert Jones, I hope you're listening on this, is you push through school choice again, ASAP, uh, in 2024 before the primaries and dare these people to try to vote against it uh, and see what happens at qualifying for primary and in Georgia. Do it around the nation. In Texas, the Texas legislature is uh, pushing school choice. Democrats are spitting mad about it. Republicans still have an angle. They still have an advance. And also they have this. They have the capacity, even with Joe Biden as president, they, because they control so many states at the state level, have the ability to push back against Joe Biden's regulations with sympathetic courts and judges. The Democrats assume you put the Democrats in Washington, you give the Democrats control of Congress, the Democrats could have a free pass to advance their their political uh, crazy agenda. And they're not, because you've got Republican attorneys general like Chris Carr in, in Georgia and, and others who are suing. You've got Republican appointed judges in the Fifth Circuit and elsewhere who are fighting back, they're not getting a pass. And so much of the contemporary discourse from the left and the anger and the rage about what's going on in the country has everything to do with the fact that they feel like they won, they should get to fundamentally up in everything. It's why they're going after Clarence Thomas so aggressively. They really do think they can take Clarence Thomas off the Supreme Court. They really want to get rid of Clarence Thomas. He's not going to resign, and they're not going to impeach him. Clarence Thomas has a job for life. He's not going to give it up so Joe Biden can fill his seat. He fought too hard for that seat, but they will slime him, drag him through the mud, and all of his friends with him to alienate him from the rest of the Supreme Court, in large part because Clarence Thomas is now seen as the de facto chief justice and the intellectual um, weight of gravity of the Supreme Court because of who he is. And if so they can't get him, they're going to try to marginalize him on the court. That's not going to work either. The people on the court don't care. they got jobs for life. Rage, rage of all the left. It's not going to do them any good. And at the state level, you've now got North Carolina, the latest Republican state with a supermajority legislature at a time the media has told us all the GOP is dying. Reports of the party's death were greatly exaggerated. What's not greatly exaggerated is how great the customer service is at Advantage Gold. If you need help with gold and silver, precious metals as part of an investment strategy, call them at 800-450-2566, 800-450-2566, with hyperinflation, the stock market raging, turmoil around the world, 
Advantage Gold can keep you sane and help you use precious metals, gold, silver, you name it, in your portfolio. Now, here's something I did not know. There have been a series of IRS rulings over the last few years to clarify how exactly you use precious metals. So, for example, you get a gold bar and you say it's part of your IRA. You can't just keep the sucker in your in your jewelry cabinet. you got to actually put it somewhere. Advantage Gold knows how to deal with those sorts of regulations for you for investment purposes, and they can help you. Call them at 800-450-2566. That's 800-450-2566. They'll give you a free gold IRA investment kit so you know how to navigate, what the rules are. They'll answer all of your questions. Their only gimmick is they're straight shooters. They don't try to hard sell you in this stuff, which is why I like them. They don't twist your arm. They just give you the facts. 800-450-2566. That's 800-450-2566. All right, I got to give you guys a laugh. My kid's texting me. <laughs> so at, at, at school, seniors have to write a, a gigantic essay. And a couple of the boys, a couple of the boys have gotten in serious trouble because they use ChatGPT, the AI software. Now, for those of you who don't know what ChatGPT is, it, it is a an AI system software. You literally can go in and say just, I mean, for a, a mind-blowing example of what it can do, uh, you can go to ChatGPT and say, write a 1,000-word essay on the hypostatic union from the view of Reformed Christianity at a ninth-grade reading level. Now, most of you have no idea what I was just talking about. But what ChatGPT can do is take what I just said, a thousand-word essay on the hypostatic union from a Reformed Christian perspective written at a ninth-grade reading level, and it can do it. And it's remarkable how good ChatGPT can do it. And so these uh, kids use ChatGPT to write their essays. There's just a problem. One, one problem. Can you guess what it is? They turned it in on time and had no grammatical errors. (laughs) Of course, of course. They literally, they they turned their their essay in on time. Actually, uh, I'm I'm reading reading from my kid. They, They were early. They were early and had no errors. Big red flag when the kids who are usually late and on a second grade reading level show up early. <laughs> this is like I read this story the other day in, in the Netherlands. Um, they, they've got a, a phone brand there, and the only people who use the phone brand because of its security features are criminals. Like you don't find a normal uh, Dutch person using this particular phone company. It's all the criminals use the phone company. And so the company's servers are in Canada. So the Dutch had the Canadians raid the server, get the information, and it turns out the um, the, the security keys were on the same server as the messages. And so they were able to convert all the messages very easily and it rounded up all the crooks. And they knew if you're using this phone, you've got to be in the criminal underworld because no one else uses it. It's the same with this. When you when you 
Don't turn your essays in on time and they're riddled with errors. And suddenly, miraculously, miracle of miracles, Lazarus from the grave. You're early with no errors. The teachers get a little suspicious, kids. Now, so the teachers, they 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 knew for sure, apparently, they ran it through a software uh, system that can check for plagiarism. Now, the brilliance of the ChatGPT system is that the plagiarism analysis software is from the same company that makes the ChatGPT system. So it's like, oh, yeah, we wrote this one. <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is going to happen more and more. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, my buddy David, is a brilliant uh, outdoor wildlife photographer. He said there are some companies that are trying to move to AI uh, generation of pictures, and I just don't think that's going to work long time. There's a feel to an authentic picture, and uh, but more, man, people are trying to use AI for everything these days. I don't think it's going to go well for most of them like these kids.